Well, hello, Willingdon Church Online. These are unique circumstances that we get to come together like this, and I'm excited to present God's Word to you today. Uh, I'm amazed at how God works. We planned this series, Everyday Struggle, uh, several months ago. And of course, the three topics are anger, anxiety, and forgiveness. And today, is uh, anxiety was planned to be preached on, and I thought, how did God know well, obviously we know how God knew because he knows everything, but that God had planned for us to speak on anxiety in the middle of this time where people are being quarantined, where people are afraid because of this virus that is uh, walking around the world and creating pandemonium in all kinds of places, in all kinds of ways. God is great. He knew our need before we did. And so today uh, we are speaking about anxiety. Uh, I also want to give credit where credit is due. And uh, in preparing for it today, I was listening to different preachers, reading different, uh, pod, uh, different lessons and podcasts and sermons. And so I want to give credit to Tim Keller and Craig Rochelle and the guys at Watermark Church uh, for the insights that they have given that have contributed to this message that I have prepared for today. So let's pray, and then we're going to jump in. Father, I thank you that you are present. I thank you that you are sovereign. I thank you that you know all things. I thank you that throughout history, as there have been pandemics, as there have been viruses that have spread around the world, as there have been crises in multiple ways with huge implications, you have always been present. You have always brought peace to your people. You have always brought support and care. And you have always been sovereign as you are today. And so, Father, I thank you for your presence. I thank you that you're with us in the midst of these unsettled times. And I thank you that you have a word to speak into our hearts and minds today. In your name I pray. Amen. So we know from studies, uh, not just from our current situation, that anxiety is the number one health issue in North America. The Mayo Clinic claims that 80 to 85% of its total caseload is due directly to worry and anxiety. Many experts say that coping with stress is the number one health priority in our day. One leading physician stated that in his opinion, 70% of all medical patients could cure themselves if they could only rid themselves of their worries and their fears. Those are bold statements. Now we also know that medical science has closely tied worry and anxiety to things like heart trouble, blood pressure problems, ulcers, ulcers, thyroid malfunction, migraine headaches, and most stomach disorders. And we know that with COVID-19, with the, with the virus, that anxiety is heightened dramatically today. In fact, this is the greatest uh, pandemic, I believe, since 1968, when over a million people uh, died worldwide because of influenza. Now, as I said, this isn't the first time that there has been a life-threatening crisis. This isn't the first time that uh, whether the crisis caused by human hands, by disease, by famine, that the world has suffered from cataclysmic events. And every time, God has been present. And I want to show you today how God is present with us as his people. And if you do not have a relationship with him, why well, you need that relationship with him to find out who you are and to find your peace from the one who is the creator of peace, Jesus Christ. Personally, and as a church, 
We are not going to jump into panic mode. We are not going to make lifelong decisions. I'm not going to make lifelong decisions uh, this week because of what is going on. We are going to watch the situation every day. We're going to make wise decisions. We're going to make biblical, spirit-led decisions. And we're going to watch to see what happens over the coming weeks, the com- over coming months, as to how this unfolds. And we will adjust accordingly. We will listen to our government officials, to our medical officials, as they watch the situation, and we will walk in the peace of God in wisdom and in appropriate behavior so that we behave as good citizens, but also as people of God who bring hope and joy and peace. We're going to lead day to day as we watch what happens. Now, every day we are hearing new news about new lockdowns, new uh, uh, quarantines, people being sent home from work, uh, beaches being closed all around the world, uh, where all kinds of institutions, schools, of course, have been canceled in most of Canada, for at least for the semester, uh, perhaps longer. Uh, there are new projections about how long this crisis uh, could go on. We don't know what is going to happen. Uh, we also know that that people are hoarding all kinds of things. In fact, the other day I, I checked on Amazon and Amazon was sold out of toilet paper. And for the life of me, I do not understand why it's toilet paper that people are hoarding. I don't get it, frankly. It makes sense to me to, to stock up on extra dry goods if you're quarantined. It makes sense to me if you're staying home and avoiding stores that you want to stock up on, on non-perishables. But why hoard toilet paper? Are your personal going to, habits going to change so profoundly that you need that much more toilet paper? But that's what happens when people panic. People lose perspective, and panic causes panic, and fear causes fear. Someone uh, the other day asked me, uh, do you think that the world is ending because of this? And I said, no. Worse things than this have happened. Pandemics have been greater than this. There has been greater crisis than this in the last century, never mind prior to that. But how are we going to respond? Are we going to stockpile rice and beans for the next three months? Are we going to live in fear? Are we going to be consumed by worry? Is that what we're going to do? Actually, our fears are ultimately driven by the things that we put hope in apart from God. That is where fear comes from. That is where anxiety comes from. Anxiety always has fear behind it. And let me say again, fear comes from the, the thought of losing or having the thing change that we put hope in apart from God. That is where fear comes from. That is where that anxiety is driven by. Now, it's interesting that in the Bible, the thing the Bible talks about the most, Old Testament and New Testament, is fear. In fact, depending on which search engine you use, the Bible tells us about 365, 366 times, do not fear. Once for every day of the year, do not fear. Why does it say that? Obviously, because people from the beginning of time have feared. And from the beginning of time, humanity has tried to create its own sense of security apart from God, and we continue to do that today. Now, if you are a Christ follower, you need to remember who you are as a Christ follower and to live as Jesus has taught us to live. 
So the first point is, remember, we do not think as the world thinks. If you are a Christ follower, Christ followers do not think as the world thinks. If you're a follower of Jesus, I hope you know that the filter that forms your decision, my decision, is very different from the filter that the world uses to make its decisions. Our filter is not the same as the world. The Bible tells us in the book of Romans, as Paul wrote to the church in the city of Rome, verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Do not be conformed to this. Do not think like this world thinks. Think like Jesus thinks. Do not think like this world thinks. Christ followers, you are not of this world. You are not like everyone else. You do not think as this world thinks. Our lives are not at the mercy of fate. We do not live in fear of the unknown. That is not who we are as Christ followers. We are not victims of our circumstances. Our destiny is determined by the one who holds history in his hands. Even though we may suffer illness and loss, We may even suffer the loss of life. Our future is secure in Christ. We are people of hope because of Jesus Christ. And it is with hope that we face the unknown that surrounds us today. That is why we are not going to live in fear. Because we live in faith, we do not live in fear. Because we live in faith, we do not live in fear. When Jesus was comforting his disciples in the book of John, chapter 14, he said this in verse 1, Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. Now, why is he telling them to not let their hearts be troubled? Well, I think it's simple and obvious because their hearts were troubled. Why were their hearts troubled? Well, their hearts were troubled because they had bet everything that Jesus was the Messiah And their hope was that he would establish a new kingdom on earth, a kingdom in which they would rule, a kingdom in which Roman, the Roman empire would be pushed aside. And they were worried that their future was in jeopardy. They were worried that their national dreams were in jeopardy. They were worried that their health and their safety was in jeopardy. And Jesus knew that they were unsure if they could trust him. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, who is sovereign. And then Jesus said, believe also in me. That is the same word to us today. He has a plan and a destiny for his disciples. And he has a plan and a destiny for you and for me. That is reality. And Jesus goes on to tell his disciples that he will send his Holy Spirit to be their teacher, to be our teacher And to remind them of everything that Jesus taught. So in verse 27 of John 14, he said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. If you've been living in fear, if you've been anxious, if you're worried, if you're afraid of what's going to happen to your health, if you're afraid about the economy, if you're worried about your income, if you're worried about what you're going to eat or your groceries, if you know Jesus, you do not need to live in fear. Jesus told us that he gives us peace that is different than what the world gives us. 
that he gives us peace that is different than what the world gives us. Because it is peace that comes not from this world, but from his kingdom. And that is why we live in faith and not in fear. In fact, I love how the New Living Translation uh, puts it. Uh, It says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. I am leaving you with a gift. Now with all gifts, you have to receive a gift. You have to open a gift. If someone gives you a gift, that gift has, gift has no value to you unless you actually open it, unless you actually accept it and say, thank you for this gift. And God says he is giving us the gift of peace of mind. He is giving us a gift that the rest of the world does not have. When we open up that gift, the gift of peace of mind and peace of heart, it's a peace that he says is not something that the world can even understand. It's a peace that only comes from Christ. Jesus said, the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So do not be troubled or afraid. The people he is saying that to were fearing for their very lives. They were fearing for their future. They were fearing for their security. Just like many people today are fearing for those things. And what he is reminding the people of, what he's reminding the disciples of, and reminding us of, is that we do not think as the world thinks. Why? Because we are not citizens of this world. Paul, writing to the church in Philippi, said in Philippians chapter 3, he says, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not citizens of this world. One author talks about us being resident aliens. We are not from this world. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. That is where our perspective comes from. That is where our worldview comes from. That is where our thinking comes from. That is where our peace comes from. We do not need to look to family, friends, work, money, health, government for our security. We are concerned about those things, but that is not the source of our security. Those things are not the source of our security. Jesus, the King of Kings, is the source of our security. But as with any gift, as I said, we need to choose to open the gift God has given us. And if you are watching this message and you have not put your faith in Christ, you have not received that gift of peace, you have not received that gift of new life, you have not received that new citizenship in the kingdom of God, I will give you an opportunity to receive that at the end of this message. Because his invitation is that free gift to come and be citizens of his kingdom and to live with his peace. I also know there are people who are watching today who are citizens of the kingdom but are still struggling. They're living in fear. Why? Because your security and your hope is coming from things that are apart from Christ. And you are consumed with thoughts of what you may lose that has given you security. And friends, my invitation to you is to lay those aside. It's not that we don't think about them, but that we look to Christ for our security. And how does that happen? How do we actually look to Christ for our security? You may be thinking, well, that's fine, preacher. I'd love to do that, but I'm consumed with thoughts of loss, consumed with worry. Well, we do that by making a choice. 
We have a choice to make. And Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 talks about that. Paul writing in the midst of a community and anxiety says this, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So Paul was exhorting. He was commanding the Philippian church, the Philippian believers, not to worry, to choose not to worry. How do you choose not to worry? How do you choose not to feel those emotions? How do you stop your mind from imagining worst case scenarios from every cough, every sniffle turning into the fact that you may think you have the virus? How does that, how do you make that switch so that every time if you're out getting groceries and you hear someone, someone make a noise, someone make a sniffle, you don't stare at them and chase them out of the store? Well, God tells us how to do that. When he says, do not worry, he says, make the choice not to worry. How? He says, instead, pray about everything. So what does he mean by pray about everything? He means everything. Whatever consumes you, whatever fear you have, whatever thought you have, whatever worry you have, whatever concern you have, take a pen out and list it, write it down. And say, God, I'm worried about this. I'm worried about my family. I'm worried about my health. I'm worried about my income. I'm worried about my job. I'm worried about the long-term effects of this virus. I'm worried about the economy. I'm worried about all the layoffs that are happening. Just list them. They're not a surprise to God. List each one of them. Write them down. It says, lay it out before God. Paul says, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Tell God what you need. It might be, God, I need someone to call me. I need someone to support me. I need someone to get my groceries. I need someone to pick up my mail. I need income because I can't work. Just uh, yesterday, we were talking about how many flight attendants are going to be laid off. Uh, The stores that are closing until further notice. The restaurants uh, that are not serving other than takeout. There are many people whose income is being reduced right now. Paul says, tell God what you need. Make it explicit. Tell him exactly what you need. That's what he's telling you to do. One of the greatest ways to deal with our anxiety is actually to articulate what we are afraid of. So it's not just this general feeling of worry and dread. We can actually name it. And when we do name it, we can actually name and understand what lies we are believing about where our security comes from. Because in each thing that we name, we can say, how does God handle this? Am I thinking about this worry, this concern, the way God thinks about it and the way the Bible talks about it? Or am I thinking about it in ways that I want to control it? List it. And list how it contradicts the promises of God and write out the promises of God. First thing we do, tell God what you need. Tell him what your worries are. Write them down. Ask him to show you his promises. Reach out to him. Reach out to his community. Reach out to others. 
Do not isolate. You need peace. I need peace. We need faith. We need trust. We need joy. We need to protect our heart and our minds. We need to care for our neighbors. We need guidance and we need wisdom. The worst thing we can do is stay to ourselves, even if we have to quarantine. There's so many ways for us to connect. Secondly, Paul says, thank God for all he has done. So first, list out everything. Tell God what you need. Tell him what your concerns are. Then he says, thank God for everything he has done. Start writing down the blessings of God over your lifetime. Start writing down the blessings that you have personally experienced. Start writing down the promise of of God in his word. Write them down. Remember them. Ask God to bring them to your mind. The ways that he has led you. The ways that he has guided you. The ways that he has prospered you. The ways that he has provided for you. The ways that he has healed you. The ways that he has taken care of your sin. Write them all down. And Paul says, when you list things out, when you thank God for what he has done, he says, then you will experience God's peace. Then you will experience God's peace. When the commands of verse 6 are heeded, the reward of verse 7, which is the peace of God, will flood your anxious heart. Jesus is a believer's peace. And Paul promises that the peace of Christ will flood our hearts, will pour into our hearts when we thank him for all that he has done. And we will not only experience peace, Philippians says, is that we will, the peace we will experience will transcend all, all of our understanding. In other words, the peace is greater than the circumstance. The peace is greater than the fear. The peace is greater than even what we're seeing around us. The peace is greater than our logic. The peace is greater than the unknown because the one who knows the future is the source of our peace. That is where our peace comes from. And then the text says, his peace will guard your hearts and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. The word guard translates a military term, which means to protect or garrison by guarding. To guard your heart, it is saying, the text is saying it's like soldiers assigned to watch over a certain area. God says there are soldiers of his, angels assigned to guard your heart and your mind. Why do our heart and mind need guarding? We need to guard our heart and mind against the lies of the enemy, against our human propensity, our human desire to control and create our own peace. And we need to guard the promises of God and the truth of God from which we receive the peace of God. And that is where true emotion from God comes from, accurate emotion from God. How can this all happen? Friends, God is not sitting in heaven wondering what happened. God is not sitting with Jesus beside him at the right hand of, at his right hand, which scripture talks about. And he's not sitting there looking at Jesus going, how did I miss this? Was I too preoccupied with the the U.S. elections that this COVID-19 snuck up on me? God is not panicked. He is not taken aback. He's not surprised. He's not afraid. He is always faithful. He is always present. He is always in control. He is good. He has a plan. He will never leave us or forsake us. Wherever you are going, God is working for your good, as his word tells us, regardless of how difficult the day-to-day circumstances are. Whatever battle you're facing, God is with you. 
And if God is for you, if God is for me, who can be against us? Who can be against us? Remember, we as followers of Christ, we live by faith and not by fear. Paul was commuting this to his disciple, Timothy, and he said to Timothy in chapter 1, verse 7, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. Why? Because he is present with us. We are not panicking, even when the world feels like it's falling apart. We don't respond like the world responds. We do not run out and hoard things. We do not live in fear. We live in faith because of the presence of Christ, because of God's peace that he has given us. So number one, we live by faith and not fear. Secondly, we are sacrificial, not selfish. We are sacrificial, not selfish. Now, technically, I know we're selfish, right? We're born selfish. None of us need to be trained to be selfish. If any of you have raised a small child, you don't have to train your child to be selfish. You don't take your child, your little two-year-old or three-year-old, and you don't send them off to selfish classes. You don't send them off to a class and say, okay, when here's your toy. And when someone tries to grab your toy, when your friend or your sibling tries to grab your toy, I want you to, to yell, mine. I want you to practice that. Right? None of us need to teach our children or ourselves to be selfish. We have to be trained in the opposite. We have to be trained in the opposite. But because of our redeemed nature, because of who Jesus is, because of his selfless gift of new life through his death on the cross, he calls us, his people now, to show that we are not selfish. He gave us the most sacrificial love in history of the world. And that is who dwells in us. So as Christ followers, we are not selfish. We are sacrificial. In fact, Paul told the, told the believers in Philippi, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. He didn't say, go panic and hoard supplies. He didn't say, go look out only for your own interests. But take an interest in others. In fact, if you look at the first century church, as people came to Christ, they were marked by their generosity. And as they faced extraordinary persecution where they would lose their homes, they would lose their livelihood, they would lose their families, and some would lose their, their everything because of their faith. They were not running out to the Jerusalem superstore, elbowing people out of the way, and grabbing the last roll of toilet paper. That's not what they were doing. No, in fact, they were doing the very opposite. They were doing the very opposite. And we have to understand that as the body of Christ, we put others ahead of ourselves. And we have this fantastic opportunity now as people live in need, as people live in fear, as people live in quarantine, we have this fantastic opportunity to demonstrate the heart and the love of Christ to others by being sacrificial and not being selfish. In fact, I love how Acts chapter 4 talks about that first church and the spontaneous generosity that they exhibited. And Acts chapter 4 verse 35 says, there was not a needy person among them for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet and it was distributed to each as any had need. They spontaneously took care of each other. 
the heart of God, the sacrificial heart of Christ and his work on the cross so filled them, so consumed them that they behaved in the same way. And they said, hey, I got extra. I'm going to sell that here, church. You take care of this for whoever has need. Their eyes were open. They saw need around them. They didn't just see their need. They saw the needs all around them and responded with sacrificial hearts and took care of each other. They didn't hoard. They weren't selfish. They weren't rushing to guard their own supplies. They did the exact opposite. In the next few weeks, in the next few months, we are going to have many opportunities to be sacrificial. We are going to have many opportunities to care for each other. And so I would ask you as Christ followers, have your eyes open. Have your social network open. Be listening. Be asking. Be offering help to others. Show people how how you can support and exhibit the love of Christ and the blessing of Christ to others. As God has blessed you, bless others. We're already hearing reports of food banks being low on food. We know as people are losing income that they will need to be supported. We know the draw on on our church food bank and our benevolence fund will increase. I encourage you to ask God how you can support, perhaps by giving to the benevolence fund, uh, giving online, or if you still know how, to write a check and send it into the church. Or giving to a food bank in your neighborhood. But the needs are going to increase. That is the reality. And this is the time for us as a community to be sacrificial and not to be selfish. This is the time for us to look at our neighbors and the homes around us and the condos around us and and see how we can help others. This is the time to stretch out what we have and to make it go further for the good of others, demonstrating the love of Christ as the economy slows down as incomes decrease, and as needs increase. Care for each other spiritually. Care for each other relationally. I'm sure you already know people who are hurting, that are afraid. And you can not only give them material support, but you can give them hope. Give them companionship. Speak faith into the lives of others. Others who may be paralyzed by fear. Now, it's interesting. We often warn people about the dangers of social media. We see how social media can be such a distraction, how social media can be such an escape that isn't healthy. Well, today I'm going to tell you the opposite. Get on social media. Use every social means to connect with others, even if you cannot physically uh, be together. You can use WeChat or WhatsApp or FaceTime or Zoom or Skype or so many other ways to connect with other people. The other day, we had our first life group on Zoom. We met uh, just that way, and we're going to keep uh, meeting that way. If you're uncomfortable making personal contact, we will, we will be sending out ways for you to connect with others, to give you instructions if you don't know how to use the technology. But connect with others. Do not isolate. Do not step back. In fact, you could even go old school and actually pick up a phone and call someone. It doesn't just have to be text or email. Talk to each other. Send videos to each other. Send links to each other of things that are are giving you encouragement. I believe that God will use this time in history when people are afraid, when people are insecure, when people are worried, to draw people to himself as he has in every crisis in history because God's people stand up and recognize that we are citizens of his kingdom and not this kingdom, and we do not think as this world thinks. We think as his kingdom thinks. 
And it's this great opportunity to exhibit our hope in Christ, our joy in Christ, our sacrificial love for each other and for the world and exhibit that reality reality to the world. As God's people, we live in peace and not anxiety. We live in, in faith and not fear. We live it sacrificially and not selfishly. And remember, we shine Jesus' light, not hide it. We shine Jesus' light, we do not hide it. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let your light shine. Do not hide it. And unfortunately, during this time, there will be many people who are afraid, many people who will feel hopeless, many people who are worried. But thankfully, you, people of Willingdon, you are faith-filled. You are dealers of hope. You are shiners of light. You are givers of love. You are sacrificial. You are people who will give of yourselves. You will spread hope. You will shine light. You will extend God's grace. And I believe as you do that, the kingdom of God will grow. Jesus will be glorified. Hope will go from life to life to life to life because you are the body of Christ, the people of God, filled by the spirit of God, living with the peace of God, knowing that you are secure in him regardless of how this world shakes because you are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And remember, Jesus said, do not fear. Why? Because of who he is. But there are some other things he also said. He said, I did not come for the healthy, but I came for the sick. I did not come for the righteous, but I came for the sinners, the hurting, and the broken. He said, the good news is that because we are not of this world, we do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus taught us not to store up treasures on this earth, but treasures in heaven. As followers of Christ, we walk by faith, not by sight. God did not give us a spirit of fear. And we pray just like Jesus said, not for our will to be done, but for God's will to be done. We have been justified by faith, not by works, so that we cannot boast, but we can extend God's love to all because that's what God has called us to do. We are not anxious because he is not anxious. We are not anxious because his peace transcends all of our understanding and our circumstances because we can bring every fear to him, every need to him, and we can claim every promise in him. And then we worship him for his goodness and we thank him for all that he has done. And then his His faith, his goodness, his peace fills our lives, as he said. As I wrap up, I want to just give you four very practical things to do. Simple and practical. First of all, I remind you again, pray. Do not withdraw from God. Pour out your needs and thankfulness in prayer. Better yet, pray with others. Pray online with others. Text prayers to each other. Get on FaceTime and pray with others. Do not isolate. Come together socially, if not physically. Use social media. Come together and pray. I would also encourage you to listen to worship when you pray because worship changes our heart and our mind as we are filled 
with the truth and the thoughts of God and orient around him. Secondly, be practical. Be practical. Do not hoard supplies. Listen to government instruction. Take care of yourself and others. Do not put others at risk by thinking that you are safe, you are young. Do not be selfish by not following social distancing. Do not put others at risk. We have many people in healthcare right now who are putting themselves at risk every day and then they have to go home and quarantine themselves from their families. So they work in difficult circumstance and then have to separate themselves from their families. Pray for our medical community. Do not be selfish by imposing your will on others. Thirdly, be productive. Use your time to grow your walk with Christ. There are many resources online and many of them now are becoming free as they are being shared. There are great courses online. There's great instruction online. There's great preaching online. There's so much reading we can do to lift ourselves up. We can study God's word. We can read with the time that we have. Do not simply binge Netflix. Do not simply binge Amazon Prime. Fill your mind and your heart with the truth of Christ. Use this time to build your faith. Lastly, proclaim Jesus. Reach out in prayer, support and care and truth to your friends and your neighbors. Reach out using social media tools. Call each other. Proclaim Jesus. If God puts someone on your mind, if a name pops into your head, it is for a reason. Do not simply push it aside. Email them, text them, call them. Invite them to an online conversation. FaceTime them. God will use his spirit and speak into your hearts now. In the coming weeks, there will be opportunity for online prayer meetings from different ministries at Willingdon. There will be different ways that we will gather collectively using the internet and the tools that we have to shine the light of Christ. As I said earlier, if you are listening to this message and you are not a follower of Jesus, I want to give you an opportunity to pray right now to follow him. And then I will pray for all of us who are followers of Jesus. So, Pray with me if you want to receive Christ and his peace. Jesus, I thank you for your outrageous sacrificial gift when you died on the cross to pay the price for my sin, to remove my shame, and to conquer my fear. Thank you that you took all that upon yourself and took it off of me. And Jesus, I accept you today. I put my faith in you and receive your forgiveness. I receive my identity in you. I receive my strength and hope in you. Come and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for inviting me into your kingdom to be part of your family. I give my life to you. Help me to follow you the rest of my days. And Jesus, I pray for all of us as Christ followers. Father, for those who are struggling today, for those who are consumed with fear and anxiety because their security is being shaken because it's relational or health or finances or fear of the future. Father, I pray that we would take each of those fears, each of those anxieties and name them and write them down and give them to you. Father, thank you that You are not surprised by this. Thank you that you can take this. Thank you for your strength. And thank you that in return for us giving these to you, Father, we claim your promises, your truth and your grace and your forgiveness and your peace that you promise us. Father, fill us with your peace that is greater than our comprehension. Guard our hearts and our minds as your word promises. 
And Father, I pray that as you fill us with your peace and with your spirit, that you would give us the heart and mind of Christ, that we would live sacrificially, not selfishly, that we live in faith and not fear, that our light would shine and you would put people, names on our hearts and on our minds and we would reach out to them. We would connect with others. We would grow in our faith. We would live as good citizens and we would walk forward as your people, inviting people, others into your kingdom for your glory, for your honor and for their hope and transformation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.